Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode 37. Today, according to the Zero Block app on my Android phone, Bitcoins are trading at $371 and LTB coins are trading at 0.000441 cents. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me today as I podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee, with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. (laughs) We're just your average Bitcoin guys who love talking about Bitcoin and sharing what we learn with you. Thanks for listening to Bitcoins and Gravy, and I hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, I travel to New York City to speak with Kevin Cruz. Kevin is a storyteller, a musician, a linguist, a writer, a blogger, and an artist who was lucky enough to be contacted by Brocker and offered the chance of a lifetime to live on Bitcoin for a month in New York City, all expenses paid. Kevin's adventure takes him to the dentist for sparkling clean and shiny teeth, to a fancy restaurant with a beautiful woman by his side, and to Broadway, where he meets up with Aladdin and has an epiphany about people coming together to create something beautiful and great. Also in this episode, in celebration of Columbus Day, I honor Christopher Columbus, the world-famous mariner, explorer, murderer, rapist, and slave master. We'll dig a bit deeper than our public school history books to find out the truth about how the early Spanish were the true terrorists in the Americas. Well, some of the true terrorists, not the only ones. We also hear Reverend Johnny preach up a storm with his sermon, Right Against Might. Today on the show, I am thrilled to have Kevin Cruz, who has done something that very few people have done, and I've only dreamed about doing, and that is go out into the wild world with only Bitcoin in your pocket. That takes a lot of bravery. Kevin Cruz, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. It's great to have you here. I heard about your story, and I thought, man, I've got to get this guy on the show. This is a great story, and it's a great thing for people to hear. What you're doing, you're a trendsetter, right? You're like one of the first guys to fly a Zeppelin or the first guys to fly a plane or one of those early train engineers that people thought of as heroes and wrote songs about, right? Maybe I need to write a song about you. But anyway, Kevin, so how did it happen that you came to live on Bitcoin for a period of time? I'm a writer, uh, a blogger about Bitcoin. I've traveled different conferences around the world, and I write about cool stuff. So one day, I was in New York, which is where I'm living at the moment, and I get a call from this company called Brocker, Mm -hmm. and they pitched this cool idea to me of living off Bitcoins and sponsoring me for it, and I'm initially like, hell yeah, let's do it. So if you guys aren't familiar with Brocker, it's... uh, service that allows you to buy anything with bitcoins by matching you up with someone who has a credit card and they buy your stuff and they get your bitcoins and conversely people can also buy bitcoins by using their credit card anyways so they sponsored me for this and i was like hell yeah let's do it so they filled my broker account with some bitcoins and i began my journey the first thing i set out to do was get the basic uh, expenses taken care of, the things like groceries. So I bought, you know, the gift cards to Whole Foods, bought the water, you know, the basic staples, Mm -hmm. and other things like toilet paper, you know. People tend to forget about that. I haven't heard of any Bitcoiners (laughs) buying toilet paper. How could you forget about that stuff, right? Got to have the TP, man. Uh, Additionally, I, I pay my phone bill. Um, I had some student loans that I had to pay, so I got some of that taken care of Mm -hmm. with the Bitcoins, all using Brocker, so it's actually really good service. Um, So after I got the basic costs taken care of, I spent a week sort of thinking like, okay, what am I going to do next with these Bitcoins? Like, I'm not going to just buy trinkets that I don't need. I want to buy shit that matters to me. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, initially, I looked into music equipment. I love music. I consider myself a musician that can't afford instruments. 
So um, <laughs> I went online and I purchased a MIDI keyboard, some studio headphones. And, you know, since then I've been making some good music, all thanks to Bitcoin. Nice. And after that, I sort of thought of other things that I had a deep passion for that I wanted. And farming came to mind. So I leased out some farmland in Michigan. I was thinking about um, some of my other passions. I was writing. Mm-hmm. So I got a book about the art of storytelling. After this, I started sort of looking online to get some more ideas, and I found a dentist that accepts Bitcoins in New York City. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, I had just been using Broker to get my stuff, but I decided I'd walk into the dentist uh, and get a basic cleaning in Bitcoin. So I did, and um, the dentist name was Lilia Etkina in Long Island City, New York, and Queens, and they got my teeth clean. I paid in Bitcoin. This dentist actually accepts Bitcoin, is that right? Yeah, this dentist accepts Bitcoin. Lilia Etkina, E-T-K-I-N-A. E-T-K-I-N-A. Lilia Etkina, a dentist in New York that accepts Bitcoins. Yeah, it was very cool, and it was her son that set the whole thing up, so while I was there, we chatted about Bitcoin. That was a pretty cool experience, but while I was there, she uh, while she was cleaning my teeth, sort of taking out that excess plaque I had, <laughs> she huh. looked at my molars and she told me that she's concerned about me. She's like, hey, you need to remove your wisdom teeth. They look like they might cause some damage to your other teeth. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't for it, man. I've heard horrible stories about that. So I was like, uh, you know, maybe another time. So I didn't end up doing it. And I ended up leaving and going about my day after that dentist cleaning. I see. You know, usually people have their mo- have their um, wisdom teeth removed when they're children. So, yes, it hurts. I did when I was little, but it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as it does uh, when you're an adult, which I think you found out, right? Oh, yeah. We'll get to that part of the story. So, um, <laughs> uh, afterwards, you know, I left that day with just a regular cleaning. I had some nice, shiny teeth. And um, it was interesting. While I was going home, I happened to meet this girl on the street, very pretty girl, and we hit it off. You know, she was trying to sell me a product. She was at work, and I, you know, got her contact information. I was like, hey, maybe we'll go out. I could take you out to eat. When I told her that, I had the Bitcoins in mind because I was going to take her out in Bitcoin. Nice. A few nights later, I did. We went out to a restaurant in Brooklyn, very upscale, nice wine, and this girl had a great time. I had a great time. We had great food. Now hold, on a hold on a second. Hold on a second, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't I don't we don't want to know all the details, but well, maybe we do. But no. So you, <laughs> you went to a restaurant in Brooklyn. What was the name of the restaurant? Aperitivo. Aperitivo. Is that an Italian restaurant? And do they accept bitcoins there at Aperitivo? Yes, they do. It's an Italian restaurant and great food as well. It's in Brooklyn, Park Slope, Brooklyn. Uh huh. Park Slope, very expensive area of Brooklyn. You know, some people say the yuppies live there. <laughs> anyway, that's not necessarily a nice term. That's not fair to say. So you went to Aperitivo in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and you know you must have spent a bundle there. You know, two people, you must have spent what one hundred and fifty, two hundred and fifty bucks. No, maybe, I think around a hundred. But honestly, the last thing on my mind was the price. At that point, I was balling. You know, I had the bitcoins in my mobile wallet, but. I'll tell you what, that girl was not expecting me to pull out a smartphone when the check came. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was great, you know. um, I had another opportunity to explain Bitcoin, and the night ended great. And, you know, and I attribute that to the cleaning I got in Bitcoin, because my confidence was through the roof. I felt like... Yeah, Johnny Bravo. <laughs> Everybody, you know, I, I, I have to know. I know that I'm not the only one thinking this and wondering, did you get to kiss her goodnight? Did you get to kiss the girl, yes or no? What do you think, bro? I was falling out with Bitcoin. <laughs> of course I did. I did. With those shiny teeth. Oh, man. And and the fancy restaurant in Park Slope. Oh, man. Why, why can't Brocker call me? What's going on here? They should call me. Hey, if you talk to Brocker, have them call me. I want to live on Bitcoin next here in Nashville. Oh, my God. I'd starve to death. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so go ahead. So you had a great meal. You kissed the girl goodnight. We don't know what happened after that. We don't want to know. All right. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's our business. <laughs> exactly. Um, but actually, I had an interesting experience in the restaurant. While I was paying, there was this dude who saw me paying in Bitcoins. And, you know, he was one of those skeptical individuals. And he's like, well, you're paying in Bitcoin. That's real money. Well, no, it's not. 
And, you know, I sort of told him, it is real money. I'm, I'm paying for something with it. And he's like, but it's not dollars. I want to pay in dollars. The Bitcoin's not backed by anything. And, of course, the rebuttal of dollars not really backed by anything. But our whole interaction ended with him saying that he won't believe in Bitcoin until he sees more people like me using it in restaurants. Yeah. And all I had to say afterwards was, touche, you're right. <laughs> so hopefully this article can help inspire other people to do the same. I think he has a good point there. However, Bitcoin is international. Bitcoin is worldwide. You know, as far as we know, Bitcoin might be on other planets now. I doubt it. But anyway, you know, as far as planet Earth goes, there are so many different uses for Bitcoin, the currency, right? And there are so many different uses for Bitcoin, the protocol. So, you know, we may oh, not yeah. we may not need it here, right? In fact, we really don't need it of a given day. Do I suffer through my day because I don't have Bitcoin to spend? Of course not. Right? We're not there yet. No. But if I were sending remittances, if I were sending money back to Mexico or back to Pakistan or back to China or wherever my family was, Bitcoin might be able to help me, right? Bitcoin might be invaluable to me and able to save me a lot of money. So we're not quite there yet here, but, you know, as Andreas Antonopoulos and a lot of other people say, when you talk about the United States and you talk about certain other countries, the developed, in quotation mark, the developed countries, you know, we're not the ones who really need Bitcoin. We're the last ones to adopt Bitcoin, the currency. You know, the first ones to adopt it are going to be and really use it and really need it are the developing countries yeah. okay so let's see you had a great dinner you went out with a, went out with a beautiful girl you had shiny teeth uh you told the guy in the restaurant to kiss your butt <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you had a little yeah we also spoke about remittances as well i told him that that's where the utility would be but so yes. after uh that night um i sort of tried to think of other ways to spend bitcoins and since i had been eating a lot, you know, so I filled the fridge up with food on Bitcoins. I thought that I was getting a little fat, so I found a yoga class <laughs> in Harlem, and I used Brocker to help me get a month class, and I, I got that, so I, I got a yoga membership. Well, let me pause you right there for just a second. So, great meal in Park Slope, yoga in Harlem. I feel like I swear I feel like there's a song here or something. <laughs> but let's go. Let's go back for a minute. Let's backtrack for just a second. You leased some land in Michigan because you were thinking about farming. Yeah. So what happened to the land in Michigan? Is it still there? Did you lease it? Did you buy it? Are you growing anything? I mean, it's it's getting cold up there. Yeah, right um, I leased it, and pretty much I'm gonna have some friends over there in Michigan farm it and work on it. And I'm thinking about spinach for the, the winter, and mm -hmm. you know, I'll help. Other people work, and they'll sell it. They'll get a chunk of money. I'll get a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I was just doing it to to help them. And also, when I go back to Michigan, it's nice to know that I have a little plot of land there. And, um, yeah, other people are farming that for me. I see. You said lease that land. You leased it or you bought it? I leased it. You're leasing it. Wow. It's, uh, I leased it from this farm that actually functions on Bitcoins as well. It's called Arbor Hills. Arbor Hills. I actually wrote an article about it. Arbor Hills seems like I talked to those. Yeah. Who, are, who are those people? Is that Dan and... Uh, yeah, that's Dan Till, Daniel Till. And uh, his girlfriend. I think we were going to have an interview where I spoke with both of them at the same time. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's great. They're awesome. They're very cool. I, I got to meet Dan when I was in Michigan a while back. So yeah, I, I contacted him and I leased out some land from him on Bitcoin. Very cool. Very cool. This is great, man. The whole Bitcoin ecosphere is coming together. This is really cool. Okay, so uh, continue on with your adventure. Sorry to sidetrack you back to Michigan. <laughs> Let's go back to New York, and just so our listeners know, what's the time frame for when you were spending this Bitcoin? This was about one month, uh, one month of adventures. I was free to do whatever I wanted. When was this? How long ago? This was last month, so it's been a month from about last week, so this is very recent. Okay, and have you been writing about it and blogging about it? I'm actually about to put out an article on a bigger tech blog, so this is more for the mainstream audience who doesn't know a lot about Bitcoin and is still skeptical as to if it's real money or not. That's the audience I'm going to really put this out for. It. Pretty much drill it into their brains. Yes, it's real money, bro. <laughs> buy some. <laughs> this is also a good time for people to buy Bitcoin because Bitcoin's low. That is, if you believe in Bitcoin and you think that there's a future for it, right? Or if you just want to use it and go out and spend it. Yeah, yeah, wait, get some, right? It's supporting the whole ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and eventually, you know, just, I guess this is 
what's going to attract people initially is the prospect of sort of being able to spend that. But then they'll learn about, you know, the blockchain technology and all of its capabilities and possibilities that we haven't even imagined. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about blockchains and hash rates here. This is just very basic, just so, you know, grandma can read this and sort of realize that this is real. So I'll go ahead and continue. Yeah. Um, so after I got the, the yoga class, I just pretty much didn't know what to do with my money. So I had this issue. So I decided to give the dentist a call and go through with the wisdom teeth extraction, wisdom tooth extraction. Okay. Um, I kind of still regret it, but I'm a little better now because it was, uh, you know, what are you going to expect? You have a dentist ripping your teeth out. Uh, you know, opening your gums, causing you to bleed, having to sew them back with string. Yeah. With that comes your face getting swelled up for about a week. You're not being able to do anything. Um, you know, I wasn't able to eat anything except maybe soups and uh, puddings and things like that. So that sucked because I had this food in the fridge. Yeah. I wasn't able to go to yoga class after I got this rhythm tooth extraction. The dentist did a really good job. It was a sort of me walking into this surgery not really caring about you know or thinking about what was going to happen the next week or so so it kind of ruined the next week for me but right. i blamed it all on bitcoin there you go and <laughs> at that moment i realized this shit is real bitcoin is real it's like i paid for this to happen for my mouth to get swelled up so i got my wisdom teeth removed i thought it was going to be a cool idea but I, I completely regretted it but that's sort of just i guess a lot of the things in life, right? So I guess humans, we tend to overlook the immediacy and reality of things until it causes pain. Yeah. You know, so that's sort of what happened when I got my wisdom teeth removed. And I realized uh, this Bitcoin stuff is real. And I actually hated it a little afterwards. <laughs> well, you know, but it's a good thing. You needed your wisdom teeth removed. If you didn't have them removed, you know, when you get older, when you're 30, 40, 50, They'll start moving your other teeth, and then, you know, when you're 60, you'll have horribly crooked teeth. So it's a good thing to get them removed. Yeah, yeah most definitely. I, I completely understand the whole thing, but it still sucks. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I got them removed. <laughs> um, and, you know, I wasn't able to do much for about a week. But towards the end of the week, you know, I was like, I need to get out of this house. So I decided to go out and take a walk along Times Square. Mm-hmm. My mouth was still a little inflamed. Well, I was walking. I saw that there was a Broadway show coming up, and it was Aladdin, so the Aladdin musical. And at that point, something in my mind told me, you know what, why not go check it out? So through Broker, once again, I was able to get a ticket online. Someone bought it for me, and they got bitcoins. And I went to see the Aladdin musical. Nice, man, on Bitcoin. I've always wanted to go to a Broadway show. You know, they say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. Is that true? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Nice. And the show was incredible. Um, while watching it, I was just in disbelief at how so many individuals could come together and create such a spectacle. It was over the top. It was beautiful. Nice. And that sort of reminded me of Bitcoin and how we have a lot of individuals from all over the world coming together and creating this sort of revolution. It's something really beautiful when you go out to these conferences and see all these people working together to create something better and awesome, you know? So Yeah. Um, but while I was watching the, the Broadway show, you know, I was just in awe. You know, I felt like a child again. Yeah. And while watching the story, I sort of thought about Aladdin and sort of his story, his character, right? He's this poor dude who has nothing, he has no parents, and all he has is just this wish, this dream for a better life. Mm-hmm. And eventually he comes across this life-changing object, this concept of a genie, and he's able to transform his life. And, you know, that reminded me of me, right? Because there was a point about two years ago where I was dead broke. Uh, I didn't have electricity in my house. Mm-hmm. And now... Uh, you know, my recent problem is not knowing where to spend my money because I have a lot of Bitcoin. Nice. Bitcoins are sort of like my genie, and it can be the genie for a lot of people, you know, as we were speaking earlier, in the developing world. And it can change people's realities, man, as it did to me this past month. Because I looked around at the end of this whole experience, and, you know, I had the tools to make great music, had great books, great memories, and I just had an awesome time. 
and it was all because of bitcoins. And in general, bitcoins has considerably altered my life. Well, that's really cool. You know, I always feel bad for people who are impoverished, who don't have any money or who don't have the opportunities that some other people have. Some people say we all have the exact same opportunities, but it really is not true. You know, some people are born into a family that lives in the projects, no education, bad diet, um, horrible parents, and that's a deficit to start with. And uh, people who don't understand that, who aren't compassionate about that, I feel sorry for them as well because they don't understand that life is not as easy for some people as it is for other people. And some people are just born without certain opportunities. Now, of course, we've got to pick ourselves up as much as we can by our bootstraps or whatever the expression is and do as well as we can in this world. That's what we're called to do as individuals. But my point is that I feel bad for certain people right now who want to be in Bitcoin. They're pining to get in Bitcoin. They're interested in Bitcoin. They're reading all about it all the time, but they may not have any money, right? I mean, Bitcoin right now, you can buy a Bitcoin for 300 what, $350, something like that. But some people don't have $350. But to those people, I tell them, look, go to Coinbase or find somebody through local Bitcoins and buy $10 worth of Bitcoin, right? Buy $20 worth of Bitcoin. Buy $5 worth of Bitcoin. Just buy a little bit. Buy what you can, right? What would you say to those people? I would say, yeah, buy what you can as far as Bitcoin is concerned. And there's more than enough to go around. You know, there's recently a job fair in the U.S., but above geographical uh, sort of opportunities, there's opportunities online for people to work, you know, whether doing proofreading or coding. You know, if you don't know how to code and you have Internet, there's resources to learn how to do these things. And we're seeing sort of this portal open up to sort of abundance and wealth where people in these, you know, underdeveloped countries or people who are in developed countries but just are, you know, born into poor families, they have Internet. They have the world at their disposal, and people are haven't really seen that yet, mm-hmm. but as time goes on, they will. But this is definitely a new world of opportunity for people and a new chance for sort of the marginalized people all over the world to sort of start their lives up and empower themselves. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do is sort of empower myself tell my story, tell my journey, and help other people wherever I can, you know, and that's what my mission is right now. Nice. So Brocker made that all possible. Has Brocker done this with other people as far as you know? Is this something they do on a regular basis? Can you give them my phone number? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll see. I'll give them an email. I'll see if that works out. But <laughs> I'll drive them around Nashville in my old truck, and uh, I'll do anything for Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time they did something like this. And, you know, and much many thanks go out to them because this takes sort of, it's a risk because you don't know what you're getting yourself into, but it's been a journey. and. You know, they were cool throughout the whole experience and very open to this sort of unique experiment. So, um, you know, very cool people over there at Brocker. And I'm sure, you know, if you get in touch with them, they'll be glad to get on the show and speak a little more about what they're doing. But, um, yeah, you know, what they're doing is cool, man. They, they're allowing people to buy anything with Bitcoins at the end of the day. I don't think anyone else is doing that right now. So, you know, I was able to get a lot of the stuff through them. You know, someone just bought it for me. But we need a lot more uh, people and companies like that willing to sort of sponsor these young, hungry individuals who want to do cool shit with Bitcoin. And they did it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I just interviewed a guy with Open Bazaar, and that is, you know, like eBay and BitTorrent uh, getting together and having a baby. It's going to be the underground eBay for the Internet. It's going to be the decentralized eBay, the uncensored eBay, where they'll use a system of arbitrators and notaries, arbiters and notaries. You will be able to buy and sell anything on there, just like on eBay, but uh, it will be peer-to-peer. There will be no central authority, which I think is really cool. You know, Kevin, I know I'm not the only one out there, and if I don't ask this, somebody's going to yell at me or somebody's going to ask you, you know, on the show notes, so I might as well just ask you now. You don't have to tell me you may have an agreement with Brocker that you're not supposed to say but the question has to be asked how many bitcoins did they give you oh that's a good question to be honest man like the way it worked out was 
I contacted them when I wanted to purchase something and they simply refilled it. And I didn't even count how many Bitcoins they gave me, but nice. that's all I could tell you. But I haven't even counted them. But it was, it was, it was good. It was a good adventure, you know? Nice. You have to ask Brocker the amount. <laughs> <laughs> check the blockchain, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can check the blockchain for that, maybe. And you're going to write about this? You're writing about this right now? How can people find out about this in writing if they want to read about this adventure you took? Where can they find you? Look out on Bitcoin Magazine. They're going to publish an article about it and from what i know they're making a little cartoon out of this little adventure oh, um, nice. you know making something fun but also um look out for i guess a blog post from me within the next week or so i don't know which outlet yet but it's going to be a, a more mainstream tech blog you guys will find it i'm sure it'll get popular and i'll send it to you john and you'll get it to your people and how can my listeners find you if they want to read what you write bitcoinmagazine.com um, I'm, I always have an article up there on the front page for okay. now. I'm currently working on my blog and I'll go ahead and make an announcement once it's finished. It's looking pretty cool right now. Okay. Very different. I'm putting all sorts of multimedia and sort of not just my Bitcoin endeavors are going on there, but everything I do. So I, I'm also doing film and short stories and things like that that I'm going to be putting out and people will be able to sort of get to know me a little more. Nice, man. I love it. That's great stuff. So, you know, you were talking about Aladdin that you saw on Broadway and uh, that Aladdin was in certain ways like you. If you had an actual Aladdin's lamp and you could rub it and a genie would come out and what, you get three wishes? Is that the deal? Is that always the deal when you rub the magic lamp? You always get three wishes when the genie comes out? Yeah, you get three wishes, yep. What would your first wish be? I have to ask. All right, my first wish... I mean, I'd probably ask for another genie to back up. Well, back up genie. That's not bad. That's, <laughs> that's good thinking. That's a computer tech way of thinking, right? Back it up. Back up that genie. <laughs> that makes sense. Exactly. Another backup genie, just in case. That's all. But, you know, I wanted to say something cool and nice, like, oh, end world poverty and this. But I'm, I'm going to back up my stuff first, make sure I'm okay. And then I'll help the world. Hey, that's good, man. And, you know, I've always said that what I would ask for would be simple, just a hundred more wishes. <laughs> then I'd be able to take a little break and start to think about those. And we'd be able to solve world peace and, uh, you know, hang the traitors that we need to hang. And but I, don't, I don't think the genie would allow the hundred wishes. They're smarter than that, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't think they'd allow the 100 wishes, huh? Man, there goes my genie plans. Mm -mm -mm. Someone had to have tried that before, you know? So <laughs> you got to be clever, you know? And Aladdin, uh, he was a clever dude. And he actually was able to trick the genie into giving him an extra wish. Man. So it's, I guess it's all about how clever you are. All right, man. Hey, uh, Kevin, it was great talking with you. Great hearing about your adventure. And I uh, can't wait to read about it. Can't wait to read your writings in Bitcoin Magazine. I am a subscriber to it. I actually get the physical magazine in the mail. I used to read them. Now I just uh, keep the plastic on them and I put them in my file cabinet <laughs> as, as an investment. And then I go and I read Bitcoin Magazine online. Okay, okay. Occasionally I thumb through it, okay? There will be a few thumbprints on it. It won't be completely pristine. But uh, anyway, hey, Kevin. Great talking with you, man. Love to have you on the show again some other time. And uh, anything else you'd like to say as parting words to our listeners? Well, I'd like to say is I hope you enjoyed this, listeners, and rock on, baby. That's all. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Kevin Cruz living in New York City, the man who lived on Bitcoin. Thank you so much, Kevin, for being on the show. Thank you. All right, brother. See you later. All right, brother. See ya. Hey, buddy, have you heard? Today I have a magic word, and the magic word is lamp. That's right, L-A-M-P, lamp, like Aladdin's magic lamp. Brothers and sisters, I stand before you today, a humble servant of the mighty God Almighty. For in her infinite wisdom, she has spoken to me. Filling my heart and my mind and my mouth with words of comfort that you may find peace and harmony in these troubled times. We are living in a time of uncertainty and turmoil in a nation that verily has fallen prey to hawks and wolves and sharks and whales. Get thee behind me, Satan, and stay put, fool. Stay put, fool. Get on back there, Satan. Get on back. 
There is at this very moment before us a great battle raging that will test the fortitude and integrity of every man, woman, and child in this great nation of ours and indeed throughout the world. In simple terms, it is a battle of right over might. We the people know intuitively what is right when it comes to our freedoms and the peace that we must have for our children and our families. But on the other side, on the other side is darkness. Lining up in formation with the true forces of evil are those men and women who would seek to destroy us through intimidation and fear-mongering, through subjugation and disrespect for human life, through inequality and racism, through bigotry, through chaos, through war, and now through the engineering of ignorance and poverty. Wolves in sheep's clothing, hawks in midair, brothers and sisters, beware! Tell it like it is, Johnny, tell it like it is! But do not despair, do not despair! For in these, the darkest of times, verily we have a light, a beacon, a truth so powerful that no darkness, no force of evil can overtake it or overcome it. For as the war profiteers in their bunkers of sin, as the feds kick the can down the road once again, That's as right. the Wall Street gamblers place wages to win with our pensions and savings again and again, our beautiful Bitcoin flies on through the skies of virtuality, a promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny. Somebody give me an amen. Amen, brother, amen. And what are we called then to do? This is the message I bring to you. Put your love of each other above your love of money. That's all. It's simple. I wish you light worries today and heavy joys tomorrow. Brothers and sisters, namaste. I bow to the divine light in each of you. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say. And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day. When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be, he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen. A bit Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Down the road it will be told about the death of old Mount Gox About traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee See, they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Of Parliament, 
While the bankers count our money out for every government Oh, Bitcoin flies on through the skies of virtuality A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure. Everybody knows your name, sing it. Oh Lord, pass me some more. Oh Lord, before I have to go. Oh Lord, pass me some more. Oh Lord, before I have to go. Happy Columbus Day, listeners. Let's see here. Christopher Columbus, born 1451, died 1506. A quote here from We Were Not Savages by Daniel and Paul. The event that led European nations to destroy many of the civilizations of two continents and drastically diminish the remainder resulted from what was an almost impossible accident of fate. If it had not already occurred, it would be virtually impossible to envision. In 1492, Christopher Columbus, on a sea voyage to chart a shortcut to the Indies, funded by Queen Isabella of Spain, set the stage for the rape of American civilizations by going astray at sea. By chance, he eventually landed on a small island in the Caribbean Sea populated by a defenseless and friendly pacifist race of people the Taino, T-A-I-N-O. These people were ripe for picking by unscrupulous men, and Columbus and his crew pillaged with impunity. The blind luck that led him to land on this small defenseless island instead of somewhere else along the thousands of miles of North and South American coastline where people wouldn't have been so complacent is akin to finding a needle in a haystack. In retrospect, if he had instead landed in a non-pacifist country, such as that of the Iroquois or Maya, history would have turned out differently. Their warriors would have fought back ferociously, very probably ending his voyage on the American side of the Atlantic. If this had happened, and no Europeans had appeared for another century, population growth and technology development would have reduced the possibility of European colonization considerably. However, history turned out the way it did, and no amount of fantasizing can change that. If Christopher Columbus were alive today, he would be put on trial for crimes against humanity. Columbus' reign of terror, as documented by noted historians, was so bloody his legacy so unspeakably cruel that Columbus makes a modern villain like Saddam Hussein or Dick Cheney look like a pale codfish. Here are the basics. On the second Monday in October each year, we celebrate Columbus Day. This year, it's on October 13th. We teach our school kids a cute little song that goes, In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, etc. It's an American tradition, as American as pizza pie. Or is it? 
Surprisingly, the true story of Christopher Columbus has very little in common with the myth we all learned in school. Columbus Day as we know it in the United States was invented by the Knights of Columbus, a Catholic fraternal service organization. Back in the 1930s, they were looking for a Catholic hero as a role model their kids could look up to. In 1934, as a result of lobbying by the Knights of Columbus, Congress and President Franklin Roosevelt signed Columbus Day into law as a federal holiday to honor this courageous <clears throat> explorer, or so we thought. There are several problems with this. First of all, Columbus wasn't the first European to discover America. As we all know, the Viking Leif Erikson probably founded a Norse village in Newfoundland some 500 years earlier. So hats off to Leif, but if you think about it, the whole concept of discovering America is, well, it's arrogant, right? After all, the Native Americans discovered North America about 14,000 years before Columbus was even born. Surprisingly, DNA evidence now suggests that courageous Polynesian adventurers sailed dugout canoes across the Pacific and settled in South America long before the Vikings. Second, Columbus wasn't a hero. When he set foot on that sandy beach in the Bahamas on October 12th, 1492, Columbus discovered that the islands were inhabited by friendly, peaceful people called the Lucayans, Tainos, and Arawaks. Writing in his diary, Columbus said they were a handsome, smart, and kind people. He noted that the gentle Arawaks were remarkable for their hospitality. A quote from Christopher Columbus. They offer to share with anyone, and when you ask for something, they never say no. And just so my listeners know, that was not actually Christopher Columbus. That was my impersonation of Christopher Columbus. And now another quote by Christopher Columbus from his log. Saturday, October 13th, the 13th of October, way back in 1492, Columbus wrote, At daybreak, great multitudes of men came to the shore, all young and of fine shapes, very handsome, their hair not curled but straight and coarse like horsehair, and all with foreheads and heads much broader than any people I had hitherto seen. Their eyes were large and very beautiful. They were not black, but the color of the inhabitants of the Canaries, which is a very natural circumstance, they being in the same latitude with the island of Ferro in the Canaries. They were straight-limbed without exception, and not with prominent bellies, but handsomely shaped. Oh, such beautiful words by Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Just warms my heart to hear him talk about those people and what wonderful people they were. Uh, let's see here. Uh, where were we? The Arawaks had no weapons. Their society had neither criminals, prisons, nor prisoners. They were so kind-hearted that Columbus noted in his diary that on the day the Santa Maria was shipwrecked, the Arawaks labored for hours to save his crew and cargo. The native people were so honest that not one thing was missing. Columbus was so impressed with the hard work of these gentle islanders that he immediately seized their land for Spain and enslaved them to work in his brutal gold mines. Within only two years, 125,000 half of the population of the original natives on the island were dead. If I were a Native American, I would mark October 12, 1492 as a black day on my calendar. Shockingly, Columbus supervised the selling of Native girls into sexual slavery. Young girls of the ages 9 to 10 were the most desired by his men. In 1500, Columbus casually wrote about it in his log. He said, a hundred he said, a hundred Castellanos are as easily obtained for a woman as for a farm. It is very general, and there are plenty of dealers who go about looking for girls. Those from nine to ten are now in demand. Great guy, that Columbus. He forced these peaceful natives to work in his gold mines until they died of exhaustion. If an Indian worker did not deliver his full quota of gold dust by Columbus' deadline, soldiers would cut off the man's hands and tie them around his neck to send a message. Slavery was so intolerable for these sweet, gentle island people that at one point, 100 of them committed mass suicide. Catholic law forbade the enslavement of Christians, but Columbus solved this problem. He simply refused to baptize the native people of Hispaniola. 
On his second trip to the New World, Columbus brought cannons and attack dogs. If a native resisted slavery, he would cut off a nose or an ear. If slaves tried to escape, Columbus had them burned alive. Other times, he sent attack dogs to hunt them down, and the dogs would tear off the arms and legs of the screaming natives while they were still alive. If the Spaniards ran short of meat to feed the dogs, Arawak babies were killed for dog food. Columbus' acts of cruelty were so unspeakable and so legendary, even in his own day, that Governor Francisco de Bobadilla arrested Columbus and his two brothers, slapped them into chains, and shipped them off to Spain to answer for their crimes against the Arawaks. But the king and queen of Spain, their treasury filling up with gold, pardoned Columbus and let him go free. <laughs> we've we've heard about things like that before, right? Letting the criminals go free. Didn't we do that with Wachovia a while back? Anyway, um, H- HSBC in, in London. Didn't you guys do that over there? Okay, back to the point. One of Columbus' men, Bartolome de las Casas, was so mortified by Columbus' brutal atrocities against the native peoples that he quit working for Columbus and became a Catholic priest. He described how the Spaniards, under Columbus' command, cut off the legs of children who ran from them to test the sharpness of their blades. According to De Las Casas, the men made bets as to who, with one sweep of his sword, could cut a person in half. He says that Columbus men poured people full of boiling soap. In a single day, De Las Casas was an eyewitness as the Spanish soldiers dismembered, beheaded, or raped 3,000 native people. Quote, such inhumanities and barbarisms were committed in my sight as no age can parallel. De Las Casas wrote, My eyes have seen these acts so foreign to human nature that now I tremble as I write. De Las Casas spent the rest of his life trying to protect the helpless native people, but after a while there were no more natives to protect. Experts generally agreed that before 1492, the population on the island of Hispaniola probably numbered about 3 million. Within 20 years of Spanish arrival, it was reduced to only 60,000. Within 50 years, not a single original native inhabitant could be found. In 1516, Spanish historian Peter Martyr wrote, A ship without compass, chart, or guide, but only following the trail of dead Indians who had been thrown from the ships could find its way from the Bahamas to Hispaniola. Christopher Columbus derived most of his income from slavery, de las Casas noted. In fact, Columbus was the first slave trader in the Americas. As the native slaves died off, they were replaced with black slaves. Columbus' son became the first African slave trader in 1505. Are you surprised you never learned about any of this in school? I am too. Why do we have this extraordinary gap in our American mythology? Columbus himself kept detailed diaries, as did some of his men, including de las Casas and Michel de Cuneo. If you don't believe me, just Google the words Columbus, sex slave, and gold mine. Columbus' reign of terror is one of the darkest chapters in our history. The real question is, why do we celebrate a holiday in honor of this man? Let's come clean, people. Let's tell the truth about Christopher Columbus. Let's boycott this outrageous holiday because it honors a mass murderer. If we skip the cute song about in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, I don't think our first graders will miss it much, do you? True, Columbus' brutal treatment of peaceful, Native Americans were so horrific. Maybe we should hide the truth about Columbus until our kids reach at least high school age. Let's teach it to them about the same time we tell them about the Nazi death camps. The Columbus Day celebrations are the dysfunctional rituals of a conqueror society. It is true that there were dark sides to native cultures. They apparently practiced human sacrifice in some of the New World cultures sometimes. Warfare was a regular feature of nearly all societies. The people of the New World were human, but in the areas of viciousness and avarice, on a scale of 10, the Western Hemisphere's natives probably ranked a 2 or 3, and Europeans a 9. <laughs> America celebrates Columbus Day because Columbus was, in quotes, a winner. Professional American historians have gone their entire lives and never learned about the dark side of Columbus's legacy. One student wrote, It seems to me as if the publishers 
had just printed up some glory story that was supposed to make us feel more patriotic about our country. In our group, we talked about the possibility of the government trying to protect young students from such violence. We soon decided that was probably one of the farthest things from their minds. They want us to look at our country as great and powerful and forever right. They want us to believe Columbus was a real hero. We're being fed lies. We don't question the facts. We just absorb information that is handed to us because we trust the role models that are handing it out. Happy Columbus Day, everyone. I'd like to thank my guests on the show today, Bitcoin Magazine writer and Renaissance man Kevin Cruz, who fearlessly lived in New York City for a month on nothing but Bitcoin. I'd also like to thank Reverend Johnny for his excellent sermon about right against might, and a special thanks to the well-known terrorist Christopher Columbus, one of the first men to terrorize native peoples in the Americas. Chris, I'm sure your mother would be proud of you. Rest in peace, amigo. To find out more about my guests and sponsors, check out the show notes on the Let's Talk Bitcoin page, on SoundCloud, or on BitcoinsAndGravy.com. Thanks for tuning into the show, and if you really do like the show and you aren't just faking it, please tell your friends about it or send them a link to the show. And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call Bitcoins and Gravy at 615 208 5198 and leave a message with your comments, questions, or complaints. This is your chance to give me a piece of your mind and tell me what you really think about the show. <laughs> and if you give me your permission, I will put your call-in comments on the show. And of course, I offer a number of ways for you to download all of the past podcasts. You can go to letstalkbitcoin.com or directly from SoundCloud or you can go to the website, which of course is bitcoinsandgravy.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review on SoundCloud. And remember, it's your reviews and comments that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great podcasts, articles, and links that can be found on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. I also thank you for your generous donations in Bitcoin or Litecoin that help me keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell. Say goodbye, Maxwell. Wishing you all a great week. Y'all be good to each other out there now, and remember the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He climbed the mast, it tickled his ass, he peed all over the crew.